we're starting a new series today on soul survival. Now, you say, well, why would I need my soul to survive? Isn't my soul saved? Yes. But we are to care for our soul. We are to watch over the health of our soul. There are certain things we're to do to keep our soul healthy, strong, renewed, Christ-like, free of sin. And so I'm going to put a verse up here. And today I want to talk to you about what is a soul. I'm just going to start real basic. This is going to be, I'm going to preach today. You know what that is? It's when you teach and preach at the same time. I can't help preaching. When I read the word and get into it, my feet start moving, my arms start going. I was noticing in that video, the uh, little video that plays before the tithe, it looked like I was flying. I was doing this. It looked like I was flapping wings. But I get excited about the word of God. But I'm going to teach today. I want you to understand what a soul is. Because everybody in here has one. Amen? So let's, let's begin this series on soul survival And let's read Hebrews 4, verse 12. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, it's on the screen. Here's what it says. For the word of God is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. Now listen to what it pierces. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So notice it mentions three things. Soul, spirit, and joints and marrow have to do with body. So that verse shows us we are three part. I'm going to get into that in just a moment. We are body, soul, and spirit. Father, we thank you right now for the word of God and pray in Jesus' name that you will help us to understand that we've got a soul that needs caring for. Help us, Lord, to emerge from this series knowing how to take care of our own souls so they are healthy, strong, Christ-like, filled with God, and growing in Jesus. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you've got a soul and it's going to be healthy. It's going to be healthy. It's going to be healthy. Now, I'm amazed. I do, from time to time, I, I, I preside over funerals. And when you, when you preside over a funeral, people have questions that sometimes surprise me because I think, how did they not learn this in church? Because here's one of the questions I'm asked. Where is their soul right now? Is there such a thing as soul sleep? Are there souls sleeping in some intermediate place And when Jesus comes, their soul is released and goes on into heaven. The Catholic Church preaches a purgatory. That the soul goes for a time into a purgatory. But you know, that's nowhere in the Bible. Now, I'm not slamming Catholicism. I'm just telling you that the teaching of a purgatory is nowhere in the Bible. That's an extra biblical concept. And so I notice that there is a lack of understanding on what a soul even is. What is a soul? We know Jesus came to save our soul, but, but what is a soul? Now, not only am I going to describe what it is, but I'm going to describe in the next few weeks how to take care of your soul. We want to know how to take care of our soul. I, I'm going to show you that soul care is every Christian's responsibility. 
You have a responsibility today over your own soul. Guess what? I'm not responsible for your soul. When you go before the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to bring Pastor Jeff up there next to you and say, Pastor Jeff, how did you, how did you help them take care of their soul? No, I'm going to answer to God for how I did my own calling, but you will answer for the soul care or lack thereof, not me. Your spouse is not responsible for your soul. Neither is your grandpa, grandma. None of them are responsible for your soul. Not your mom and dad. Your church is not responsible for your soul. You say, oh, how can that be? I can tell you how to care for your soul, but we've got to mix the word with faith and do what we've heard. And I can't make you do what you heard. You have to. So we're going to look at what the soul is. And then I'm going to deal with how to care for it by having a rested soul. Some of you are so unrested in your soul, you don't know if you're coming or going. I'm going to talk to you about how to have a rested soul, a renewed soul, and a healthy soul. How many of you can say that sounds good to me? Because your soul today is, is of great value. Now, let's begin with looking at how you and I are made, how we're put together. The Bible teaches that Man is tripartite. Now that means we are made up of three things, a body, a soul, and a spirit. You today are tripartite. You are three-part body, soul, and you have a spirit. In the opening verse, the writer of Hebrews mentions a soul, and then a spirit, and then joints and marrow, a body. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. In the very peace of God, this is Paul doing a benediction, the very peace of God, or the God of peace rather, sanctify you wholly. And then he says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he says, I want your body to be blameless, your soul to be blameless, and your spirit to be blameless. So there he describes the three parts of man. So we are a spirit being, we live in a body, and we possess a soul. Now let me show you, the, the, here I'm holding an apple, it's so tempting to eat it because it's cold. But let me just give you a little illustration. This apple is three part. There is the outer skin, there is the fruit on the inside, and then there is a core where the apple seeds are. This apple is tripartite. It's three part. Skin, fruit, core. So are you. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a core, which is your spirit. At the core of our being is our spirit. Our spirit, the Bible says, can be dead, as with those that don't know Christ. Anybody that doesn't know Jesus, their spirit man is dead. Their spirit, the core of them, is spiritually lifeless. It's dead. Paul wrote, and you, he's talking about the way they were, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he said you were dead. Well, Bodily, they weren't dead because he's talking to people that are still there. So what's he talking about? Your spirit. Your spirit was dead. 
And why was it dead? Because of sin. The Bible says that in Adam, all died. Not only do we have a death date, but we also are born with our spirits dead. We, we move around, we think, we, our bodies are alive. We, we go through life, and if we don't know Christ, we go through life, we change flat tires, we make a living, we have children, we have families. But until you know Jesus, your spirit is dead. You do not have the life of God in you. The spirit is dead. Paul wrote in another place, if any man does not have the spirit of God, he is not his. So we're not all God's children. We are created by God, but we're not all God's children. You're not a child of God until you come to Christ Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. And come into my heart, and you are born again. And when you are born again, your spirit that was dead is made alive. It says in Colossians 2.13, same verse. He has made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. No, so we were dead in trespasses and sins, but now when you came to Jesus, he made you alive. Literally, the Greek is he lifed you. He made you alive. You are raised from the spiritual dead. If you're a child of God, you've been resurrected. The greatest miracle in the world is when somebody is born again because once they were dead, now they're alive. Once they were lost, now they're found. Once they were blind, now they see. So your spirit is made alive by the entrance of the Holy Ghost into your spirit man. You see, folks, it's the spirit that is instantly transformed when we are saved. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and all is become new. What's he talking about there? Your spirit man. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The spirit of God has made him alive. Now, here's the difference. Your soul, which I'm going to be talking about exclusively for the next few weeks, and I'm going to describe your soul in a moment. But your soul must undergo lifelong renewal by the renewing of your mind. That's your soul. That's why you get in the Bible every day. That's why you're in church listening to the word of God. Your mind needs to be renewed because your, your spirit man is instantly made alive by the incoming Holy Ghost into your heart when you get saved. But your mind needs to be renewed day by day. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The spirit is instantly transformed, instantly made alive. That's why I can tell when somebody has been born again, because there is a difference in them. Their eyes look different. Their countenance looks different. You can tell that life has come into them. Uh, I, I've seen people whose eyes look dead while they stood there, and I've seen them suddenly transformed by the spirit of God. You can tell that something has happened in the very core of their being, in their spirit man. It's our spirit man, you need to understand this, that, that responds to the things that come from the spirit of God. Listen to what the Bible says. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So when you're saved 
and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, he, he makes your dead spirit alive in him, and your spirit is joined to the Lord as one spirit. That's why you can say you've been born again. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're found. Born once, you're dead. Born twice, you're alive. Born once, you're blind. Born twice, you see. You must be born again. You must be born twice. Jesus, listen, when I read my Bible, two things happen. My mind, which is part of my soul, is renewed. And my spirit, which fellowships with God, is edified. See, it's with my spirit I fellowship with God. On the inside. Listen to what Paul wrote. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship. Everybody say this. The fellowship. Look at this. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Man, I'm so glad that each and every day I can get up and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. How do I fellowship with the Holy Spirit? With my spirit. With my spirit, I fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote to Timothy. Here's what he said. The Lord be with your spirit. Notice he didn't say your soul. He said, the Lord be with your spirit. The Lord fellowship with your spirit. It's with the, listen, when we worship God and the spirit begins to fall, do you know what it is that rises up in you and says, hallelujah? It's the spirit man. It's your spirit man. It's your core. It is your spirit, your born again spirit that fellowships with God. So when I read the word of God, my mind is renewed, but my spirit man says, ah, thank you, T-bone steak. You fed me. You fed me. My, my spirit fellowships with the Lord. My spirit fellowships with God's spirit. So I hope you get that. You are tripartite body. Soul, spirit. Now, what about the body? We all have a body. Some of us are happier about that than others. But our bodies are obviously what we live in. And, if, and while we're here on earth, Peter called our bodies our earthly tent. That means that one day we're, we're going to pull up the stakes and, and the tent is going to uh, be packed up and gone. Now, look at what it says. Jesus has a plan for your body. I'm so glad he has a plan for my body that, 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 that curves cannot even dream of. Curves is a workout place. When Jesus comes again, folks, every born-again child of God will be given a brand new, resurrected, glorified body. That's what it says. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15. I am telling you this strange and wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we shall all be given new bodies. It will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For there will be a trumpet blast from the sky. And all the Christians who have died will suddenly become alive. Oh, I believe that with all of my heart. I believe it with all of my heart. If you don't believe this, then you're not a Christian. Because the crux of Christianity is the message of the resurrection. As he rose, we also shall rise. A resurrection is coming. Look what he goes on to say. All the Christians who have died will suddenly become alive with new bodies that will never, never die. And then we who are still alive, 
if you're walking around on earth when he returns, shall suddenly have new bodies too. For our earthly bodies, the ones that we have now, uh, we have now that can die, must be transformed into heavenly bodies that cannot perish, but will live forever. Oh, what a day that's going to be. Brand new bodies. Now watch this. Bodies like Jesus' resurrected body. He walked through doors without opening them. And then he went and ate fish. He walked through closed doors and then ate fish. He rose up into heaven, defying gravity. Our glorified bodies will have no idea, we'll never experience headaches, cancer, heart disease, high blood pressure. There will be no more bodily afflictions because we're going to get a brand new body. When Jesus comes, he's going to give us a brand new body. And that is the blessed hope. That is the blessed hope. Now, I'm just going to tell you, yesterday I rode um, 20 miles and 100 degrees. Uh, But then I went to Kathy's grave. And I walked up to her grave. Well, before I actually got out of the car, I could see it. And while I was there, I, I, I said this to myself, Kathy, you're coming out of there someday. Now, folks, I'm telling you, I believe that with all of my being. I believe in a coming resurrection. I looked over where her body lies, and I said, Kathy, you're coming out of that grave one day. When the trumpet blows, you're coming out, and you're going to go meet Jesus, and I'm going to see you again. Folks, if we don't believe that, then we're not believers. We're not Christians. We've got to know there's going to be a resurrection of our old bodies. Everybody say, what a day that will be. If you don't like flying, you better pray about it. Because you're going up, and you're going up in a glorified body. A body like Jesus had. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? So we have a spirit core that has been born again. We have a body that's going to be resurrected. Now let's talk about the soul that I'm going to be focused on in the next few weeks. Our soul is the breath of life described in Genesis. It says in Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. Now, stop a minute. He formed the man. So what you had there was the shape of the man that would be. He formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. You say, Jeff, do you believe that? Of course I believe that. That's so much easier to believe than evolution. I'm not fearfully and wonderfully evolved. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and so he formed him out of the, out of the dust of the ground, but, but he was totally inanimate until something happened. It says, then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And look what it says happened. The man became a living what? Soul. The man became a living soul. Your soul is the breath of life. If your soul wasn't with you today, you would be dead. The Greek word for soul is suke. Suke. And it's found 103 times in the New Testament. Soul. The word psychology comes from that Greek word suke. Psychology, psychological. That all comes from that Greek word. The Bible says regarding your soul. And everybody in here has one. What's the Bible say about it? Watch. Your soul can be lost or found. It is one of those two. 
Your soul today is lost or it's found. It will one day go to either heaven or hell. Every soul. Not just in here, but watching by video and listening by radio. Listen carefully to me. Friend, perk up and listen. Your soul is going to one day go to either heaven or hell. Your soul. The breath of life. It is either alive by salvation or it's dead in sins. It can be cast down by discouragement or encouraged by hope and by the word of God. David said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why, soul, are you disquieted within me? The soul can be wounded. And many of you today have a wounded soul. Somebody hurt you. Somebody wronged you. You made some decisions that brought pain into your life. And your soul is bruised or your soul is cut. The soul is just like the body in the, in the way that it can be wounded. Your soul can literally be wounded and you can be bleeding on the inside in your soul man. You can be bleeding. But the good news is it can be restored. David said in the famous uh, 23rd Psalm, he said, he restores my soul. The soul is that part of us that longs and thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for God, said David. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Our soul can be comforted or our soul can be vexed. David said, my soul is sore vexed within me. Your soul. The soul can be hungry or satisfied, strong or faint, troubled or at peace. Some of you have peaceful souls today. Some of you have walked in here with a troubled soul. I hope that you walk out of here with a peaceful soul. Because I'm going to tell you, our God is the God of all comfort and the God of all hope. And he comforts us in our many afflictions, and he gives peace to our troubled souls. Our souls can curse God, or they can bless his name. David said over and over, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Now, as, as you are made of three parts, so is your soul. Your soul is tripartite. It's comprised of mainly three things. Listen carefully. Your mind, your will and your emotions. Your soul is made up of those three. First, we have a mind to think with, a mind to think with. I want you to listen to what David said in Psalms 13. He said, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? You know what he's saying there? His soul was counseling him. He was thinking. He was considering. He was pondering. His soul he was getting counsel from his soul. So your, your, your soul, part of your soul is your mind that thinks, that considers. And our soul also includes emotions. To love or to hate, to like or to dislike someone or something. We read in the Bible about a soul rejoicing. A rejoicing soul. We read about a vexed soul. We read about a grieved soul. Those are all emotions. It says when David met, met Jonathan. It says when, when he had finished speaking to Saul. That is when David had finished speaking to Saul. After killing Goliath. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So the love that these two men had, and it was, please, it was not a perverted love. 
it was wholesome. You know, there's, there's men in Christ who I love. You know, I rode bicycles yesterday with another pastor. I love that pastor. But it doesn't mean anything weird. David and, and Jonathan were BFFs. For those of you that don't know the internet, that's best friends forever. Literally. And, and look what it says. It, but it was a soul thing. See, when you say with that old song, I'm a soul man. Let me tell you how that really is. I'm a soul man. Because you are a soul. So the soul feels, it has emotions, it has a mind to think. And the soul also includes a will to make decisions with, to make choices. David told his son Solomon, he said, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. He's saying, son, I want you to set your soul. Choose with your soul to be a seeker of God. See, you're either today, you're seeking God or you're not. And you know what made that decision? Your soul. Your soul made that decision. So the soul has a mind to think. It has emotions to feel. It has a will to choose. These are the functions of the soul. So you live in a body, but your body is not you. Your soul is you. Your character, your personality, that's all a part of your soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You're just using a body to walk around in. But you have a soul, and your soul is you. Your soul is the essence of who you are. That's your soul. Now, as Jesus said, secondly, regarding the soul, and we need to really hear this, nothing on earth is more valuable than your soul. Not another thing on earth matters as much or has more value than your soul. Listen to what Jesus said. What good will it be for somebody to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? He's saying there is no trade-off worth it. According to Jesus, the soul can be forfeited and it can be traded off or exchanged for something else. Did you know that? You can trade off your soul for something else. People do it all the time. You can trade off your soul. Jesus' words suggest that we can literally squander away our soul. We can neglect it and we can lose it. And we're not going to do that in this church. We're going to learn to care for it. But you can squander it away. You can neglect it and you can lose it. According to Jesus, you can lose your soul. You can lose your soul. And you know what? You can even sell off your soul. You can sell your soul. You can sell your soul. You know the concept of selling your soul has been talked about in operas and books and music lyrics for ages, forever? Maybe you've never read it, but I've read it. It's the story of Faust. Story of Faust, we, we talk about making a Faustian bargain with our soul. What does that mean? Faust is all about a man who sells his soul to the devil for worldly pleasures. So when you say somebody made a Faustian bargain, that means they decided to pursue something else to the exclusion and to the destruction of their own soul. That's a Faustian bargain. Have you sold your soul? See, according to Jesus, any trade-off for the soul is a bad trade. Because whatever you trade it for is temporary 
but your soul is eternal. So if you, you see something on earth that you want, and you know, if I'm going to get that, I've got to make a bargain, a Faustian bargain. I've got to decide I'm going to sell my soul. I'm going to neglect my soul. I'm going to put my soul on the altar in order to gain that. Then you have made a bad, bad trade because whatever you choose on this earth is temporary, but your soul is forever. Your soul is eternal. It goes on forever. So it's a stupid trade. Have you sold your soul today? Have you sold your soul? I might be talking to one person who doesn't know Jesus today. What are you selling your soul for? What are you giving up? What is it you're after you think is so valuable that you're willing to sell your soul? I heard somebody say one time in my presence, they said, my company owns me. I've sold my soul to them. My company owns me. Some people really do sell their soul for a career or some other idol. They do it all the time. I I can think of entertainers. I know for a fact they've sold their soul for fame and fortune. People do it all the time. How often have we seen personally somebody sell their soul for a drug habit or alcohol or some ill-advised, ungodly relationship? They're willing to sell their soul to go after that, sell their soul to get that. Jesus talked about a rich man who lived for his money. But one day, just when the rich man was entering retirement, he had just bought his new set of golf clubs and he's headed for the greens. That's not in there. I made that up. Jesus said, God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And who will get what you set aside for yourself? You fool. You, you gave your whole life to chasing after money, and tonight, tonight, your soul is required of you because everybody in here ha- has a time on God's calendar when you're going to enter eternity. I do too. And, and, and that day is going to come. And Jesus said of this rich man, you gave your life, you sold your soul for money and worldly pleasure. And he said, Jesus said in the parable, you should have been rich toward God. But you weren't rich toward God. You were rich only to yourself. And then he said, who's going to get everything you saved up? Everything you saved up for, all that money you saved, it's going to go to somebody that didn't even earn it. And what are you going to have to show for your whole life? You sold your soul. You sold it away. Have you sold your soul? If you have, I've got some good news for you today. Jesus can get it back for you if you ask him. Jesus can get it back for you if you ask him. Our lost souls are the reason that Jesus came to earth. It says, I've come to earth to seek and to save what was lost. And what was lost? Our soul. Our soul, that soul, that inner core of us, our soul is what was lost. And our spirits are what died. And Jesus came to bring our spirits back to life and to save our soul. So the soul is comprised of a mind, will, and emotions. It's more valuable than anything on earth. And let me close with one thing. The soul was designed for a purpose. What's the purpose your soul was designed for? God has designed our souls to hunger for him, to love him, and to seek him. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, I want you to know there's such a thing as soul hunger for God. I have a soul hunger. I wake up every day with a soul hunger. My soul hungers for God. And I want you to listen to what David wrote about this. He said, my soul yearns, even faints, 
for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Our souls crave God. They want his presence dwelling in us. How many of you can say, Pastor Jeff, I've got a hunger for God in my soul. I hunger after God. Come on. See, I believe that's, I believe a, a genuine hunger for God is one of the, the top earmarks of somebody that has genuinely been saved. If you've really been saved, you hunger after God. David wrote again, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Listen to what his soul was experiencing. I'm seeking you. I'm thirsting for you. I'm longing for you. These are all things going on in his soul, man. In his soul. I've always believed when somebody turns to a drug or to alcohol or to the occult, looking for some spiritual experience, what they're really looking for is God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in the hearts of men. You know what that's saying? God himself has placed into the soul of man a hunger for him. The sense that something is missing that ought to be there. A longing for the eternal God. Can you stand with me today? I want you to say with me, my soul is comprised of mind, will, and emotions. My soul is my most valuable possession. And my soul is designed to fellowship with God. You are a body containing a soul with a spirit at your core. Now, friend, today, either your spirit is alive in Jesus or it's dead in sin. It's dead. And, and if you were to die today, you would die in your sins because you haven't been born again. Jesus said you must be born again. It's not an option. You want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Your spirit has to be made alive. And your soul has to be saved. Buddha can't save your soul. Muhammad can't save your soul. You can't save your soul. Good intentions can't save your soul. Good works can't save your soul. Can we go to him right now in prayer? Father, we just thank you for your presence with us today. Now, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you can say, Jeff, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Because when you pray it, he's going to come into your spirit, man, and he's going to quicken you with life bring you alive, raise you from the spiritual dead. So say with me, Lord Jesus, just say it, pray it. If you're ready to come to him, just say it, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, come into my heart as Savior and Lord. Right now, I place my faith in you.
to be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.